Welcome to The Crossing Church. Uh, my name is Gene Klingbill. I'm an elder here at the church, and it's so good to, to pray together, to worship together. I mean, Warner and them, they do an amazing job, and we're grateful for them. Um, so yeah, so I see a lot of first-time visitors, guys. Thank you for visiting with us. We're so happy that you chose and, and you're with us today. Uh, we've got a small gift in the back, so someone's probably going to put one in your hand, and it just tells a little bit about us and who we are, and there's a calendar in there. So thank you guys for, for visiting with us. Um, I do it every time I preach. I don't preach that often. Uh, Jonathan is away. Uh, he's doing drill this weekend. Is that right? Is that right? Okay, yep. He's doing drill. You don't know where your dad is? No? Okay. Anyway, he's doing drill this weekend. He'll be here later on. Uh, I have said it for the longest time. I don't know how Jonathan does it week in and week out because it literally takes me. I start about a month out of sermon prep. I need that. Um, and I still don't feel ready to do this. Uh, so I get to do it about four times a year. And to say that the day before the sermon that, that I'm doing it is it's a little stressful for me. Uh, would be an understatement. So I got to show you something kind of funny. So yesterday, I, I woke up, and I'm like, you know, I haven't done my husbandly duties. I haven't taken care of uh, Rebecca's car, so she needed an oil change. So I got up before everybody, and I went and changed oil like a good husband, and then I cleaned it for her, her car. And before I did that, though, so we have slip covers on our couches. And so I'm like, they're white, and we have dogs and kids, and so white slip covers are challenging, but we can take them off and wash them, and you got a brand new couch, right? So I did that. I'm like, good husband. I'm going to take these slip covers off, and I'm going to wash them. We have a bulldog at the house, and this is what I walked into. Yeah, that was my reaction, right? This is a true statement. This happened yesterday morning, and I'm like, not today, God. What are we doing here? Um, but Guys, if you didn't know this, your wives are not just wise, they are a magician. Because my wife fixed the couch. I thought I'm like ready to take it to the back and burn it. The bulldog is still breathing. Um, I was very, he's the cutest little guy, but uh, that little guy was destructive yesterday. So that, that happened, and it just, God was refining me. And, and helping me yesterday. So anyway, um, I also say every time I preach, uh, one of the only probably the good things that came out of the pandemic was a lot of churches started streaming video and bringing the gospel um, and worship right to your living rooms. We did it here. And so we're on YouTube. And for those that are tuning in, I, I say it, guys, we're wel welcome. We don't want you to feel disconnected from the body. So you are part of the body. If you have any prayer requests or any needs, please reach out to, it doesn't have to be myself or Jonathan or Brian, uh, although we'd love to hear from you. It could be any of our prayer team warriors. We've got a bunch of them. Uh, Doug and Susan would love to hear from you, Liz. So if you have any prayer requests, reach out because we don't want you to feel disconnected. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and open with prayer, and, and we're going to dive into Scripture because we've got a lot to cover. So Father God, um, we're just so grateful for this, for this day that we can gather around as a body of Christ, and, and open up your word, and um, my Lord, I just pray that you will remove me, and you will speak through me in this message of what you're going to offer us, what you were offering back then is still offered today, and, and we are grateful for that, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, 
Another confession. Before I got up here, I, I, do, I have to do a checklist of, okay, this, this thing is on. Yeah, okay. Uh, see? Um, and this thing is usually over there. So I'm looking, and I'm like, that's not there. It was over here. And I was almost in a panic because this thing wasn't where it was supposed to be. I don't know who did that, but that was good. It messed with me. But anyway, uh, all right. So I want to open up with a kind of a statement or a question. We live in Florida here, and it's historically known that Florida is closer to the sun than the rest of the planet because it's hot. Um, No, I'm kidding. Uh, But it does seem like that if you've lived in, in Florida for a while. And so we saw this about living water and water that Jesus is offering to us and to this lady here. And so if you've lived in Florida any length of period or really anywhere, um, I'm sure at one time or another, you've been dehydrated. You've been thirsty. And all you could think about is getting water in you and being replenished, renewed, and refreshed. Well, I am a firefighter. That's, That's my job. And I come out of a fire, and the first thing I can think about is getting that gear off because it's hot and it's heavy. I I don't want to wear it anymore. Um, And nothing else matters but getting water. I'm not thinking about the house. I'm not thinking about the fire uh, or the cats and dogs or whatever. I I just want water or the people. We save people too. Um, But uh, (laughs) people before pets, especially bulldogs. Um, But anyway... (laughs) uh, so uh, that's all I want is I want that water, and, and as soon as it hits my lips and it's going to the back of my throat, I can instantly feel the renewing and being refreshed. Noah, Noah and Riley's here too. They play football, and the coaches do an amazing job uh, between breaks, between timeouts and, and during the game. They, you hear the coaches saying, water, water, water. Get some water into the boys because they need that. They need to be replenished and refreshed. And just the other day, Noah, uh, they practice three days a week, and so Noah forgot his water bottle. And so he's getting there. He's like, it'll be fine, Dad. I'll just, he didn't say steal. He said, I'll take somebody else's bottle, and they'll share. They'll share, not steal. Um, so he, I, I don't know if he was doing that, but I picked him up, and he's just drenched in sweat, had a good practice. And he's like, Dad, we got to go to Publix and get some water. I'm like, okay. So I take him to Publix, and he gets that bottle of water, and he opens it up, and he's just throwing it in the back of his throat, and he pulls it down, and he does that. <sighs> so you just know that he's getting replenished. He's getting that refreshing water, and he looks at me, and he says, Dad, this is heaven in a bottle. Um, I'm like, well, that'll be fitting for Sunday. So anyway, good job, buddy. Um, but anyway, we all have that we need. We all have that where at times we need water, and today we're going to talk about a different type of water a water that is not really for our physical bodies, but it's for our spiritual bodies. And what Jesus is offering to us is something different than anybody else has offered to us, and it's quenching our thirst in a different way. So we're continuing our sermon series in John, and if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John 4. That's where we're going to be. There's Bibles uh, throughout the, uh, the sanctuary here, and if you have a phone, which probably everybody in the room does, um, you've got it on your phone. And with that, you know, literally, that's another good thing about technology is God has given us the ability to literally have scripture at your fingertips. We should all be reading our Bible more. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, you got time to open that up and look at scripture, guys. We, we, we should be able to do that. So 
the book of John here, where our sermon series is about 17 weeks. It's going to take us all the way to December, at the end of December. And between this, each sermon, uh, we're doing you know, the questions in our small groups, and, and that's really cool. Last week, Jonathan preached on John 3.16, or not just John 3.16, but John chapter 3, the first part, and we all know John 3.16. And, um, and then we, in our groups, we finished up John chapter 3. And today we're going to be in four, and I'm going to read almost the entire passage because this, this dialogue that Jesus is having with this woman is so cool. There are so many different ways you could take this sermon, um, but I want to focus on one thing uh, today. I listened to quite a few sermons on it um, and just tried to see you know, what kind of angle that I wanted to take and what the scripture I thought it was speaking to me at the time. So John is a different book or a different gospel than the other synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, John, from the very beginning, is painting a picture of Jesus, his characteristics, and who he is. Um, Not that the others aren't doing it, but he does it in a different way. So we're going to be in John 4, so there is a lot of scripture reading here, so bear with me. They'll be on the the, uh, slides up there. I got to put my glasses on because I'm getting old here. Um, Okay, so John chapter 4, now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard this, had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, "If if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well to drink from himself, and did his sons, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying it. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is, is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Your worship, what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, what the true worshipers will worship. The Father is spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. 
God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that when the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ, when he comes, we, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? <clears throat> so the woman left her water jar and went away into a town that said to the, and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town. They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have no food to eat that you do not know about. Uh, I have food to eat that you don't. So the disciples said to one another, He has brought, he, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months in the come to harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. <clears throat> for here the saying holds true, one sows and reaps and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you haven't entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him, stay with, stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his works. So here, this is a story uh, that I think most of the people in the church have heard, and if not, that's okay. We're going to cover this whole thing. <clears throat> so after reading that conversation, between Jesus, it's a dialogue between Jesus and this woman, the Samaritan woman. I want you to try and place yourself there at the well in, in listening to this and how you would feel and react. Um, so, but we need to look at some of the background stories that are going on here. So first, Jesus decided to go to this well without his disciples. They went through to Samaria, and that's, that's important there because Samarita, or Samaria is the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans at all. They, they viewed them as half-breeds because they were part Gentile and part Jew. During uh, the, when the two kingdoms were established in the Old Testament, um, they were taken over, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And some of the Jews stayed behind. And then that they, after they stayed behind, they started to intermingle and mix with pagans and Gentiles and then that's how Samaritans came about. The Jews had so much dismay for this group of people that they would actually pray to God that God wouldn't hear their prayers. You got to have a special hatred in your heart to pray for that. But that, that is unique that Jesus sought this woman out, knew that she was a Samaritan. This is definitely a divine encounter because up to this point, Jesus has really not revealed himself a lot. There has been some ministry going on. He's done a couple miracles. But really now he's pulling the veil back and saying, look, what I am offering is not just for Jews. It's not just for Gentiles. It's not just for Samaritans, but it's for everybody. So he's completely changing this system. Um, so that, that's, that's interesting that she's uh, a Samaritan. The other part is that she's a woman. Back then, if you remember, that women were looked differently than men. God certainly has an order in the way he does things, but value 
He places value on everybody equally. It doesn't matter whether it's a woman or a man. He looks at the value equal. So, and that's what Jesus is doing, is saying, look, the, the disciples came back and said, why are you talking to a woman? And Jesus is turning that narrative upside down. And he said, I'm placing value on her um, and, and the fact that she's a Samaritan woman. Then you look at that. It says that she was there at the sixth hour, which is about noon. And it's probably the hottest part of the day. And she's by herself. And, and she won't be seen with the other Samaritan woman. So not only is she an outcast uh, between the Jews because she's Samaritan, she's an outcast from her own people. But Jesus said, I am after you in your heart. He looks at her differently. So we're going to unpack this whole conversation here because uh, I, I, I think it was important to read the whole thing in its entirety. That way we can look and see, okay, where we're going. And, and it's very interesting, this conversation where Jesus takes her and takes this because he's trying to get her, leading her to living water. So in John 4, 7 through 15, we're going we're gonna to do that. I told you it would be a lot of scripture reading, but it's good that we're reading scripture. So. <clears throat> All right, so 7 through 15 here, we're going to see a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who is that it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Then the woman said to him, sir, I, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where did you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons in the and our father Jacob, uh, and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. <clears throat> the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So here... Now, in the Gospel of John, John is completing what he started out in the very beginning, in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's painting this picture of who Jesus is. <clears throat> He's now offering new life by offering a, um, living water. It's significant because right around this well, right around this area, is where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. It's also important because around this area, Abraham was promised land. It's also important because Jacob met his wife, Rachel, right here, and then Moses met his wife as well. A lot of weddings going on there, so if you're single in the room, let's go find Jacob's well, right? Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a long way away. Uh, but anyway, so, but what Jesus is doing, he's offering something completely different. He's saying that all of these sacrificial systems that have been put into place, the temple rituals that have to happen to cleanse us from our sins are no longer needed. He's turning this system upside down. It's a radical way, and it's different than what's been teached and preached before. But here's what's crazy about this moment, and you can see it. She's in. She says, give me this living water. If you look at verse 15, it says, the woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's in. She, she says, Jesus, give it to me. I'm ready to go. If that was us, 
we'd say, Jen, put her in planning center right now. Let's get her on the host team. Let's get her serving in the church. If she can sing, let's get her up here, right? She's in. No apologetics necessary. But what does Jesus do? He makes it awkward, almost. He presses on it, right? Because he wants more from us than just a simple yes. He wants our hearts totally committed to him. If you look at this conversation, what he's doing here, in John 4, 16 through 20, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. When you have said, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers who worshiped in this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So if you look at that, think about that conversation. And I said, put yourself there. Imagine being in a coffee shop and overhearing this conversation. It doesn't have to be between a man and a woman, just two people now. And someone is producing and telling the gospel to somebody. And they say, I'm ready to be baptized. I'm in. What do I have to do? And then this person just presses on this tender, hurtful area of their lives, the sin in their lives. They push on this wound that we have and that they have. That would look like kind of a jerk move. Jesus is not a jerk. I'm not saying that. Um, but that, that's what Jesus is doing. He's pressing on this. She said, I'm in. I want this water. But Jesus said, I want more than just a yes. I want your heart. And we have to get through some things before we can do this, before I can lead you to the streams of living water. That's what he's doing for her. Um, and you look here. He, he touches this wound. And, and he's revealing her sin to her. You see, wounds hurt. We have scars, right? Everybody has scars in their life. And a scar is something you can touch, and, but the pain is not there. But it's a reminder of what we had to go through to get the scar. But a wound is different. A wound, if you touch it, if you touch a bruise, there's an immediate reaction. A wound is active, and there's a pulling back. There's a hiding of the wound because you don't want people to see that. We all do this. I do this in, in, in my life. I, I, if I have little areas of sin in my life, I want to hide it so nobody can see that. I do it all the time. I, I fail all the time. But Jesus wants more than a simple yes from us. He wants to press on the areas of our lives that are hurtful, that are sinful, because he wants to lead us to living water. He's not doing it uh, doing that to hurt us. He's doing that to lead us to a place where we can't lead ourselves. <clears throat> if we look here, though, what, what does she do? She doesn't deny what Jesus is saying here. She doesn't get angry with Jesus. She doesn't argue with him. If you read verse 20 here, what, what does she do? This conversation is so cool to me. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. What is she doing there? She's deflecting her sin. She says, she tries to take the focus off of her and put it on something else. Put it on a topic or an argument that has been going on for millennial, 
a topic and an argument that Jesus knows everything about. And she is trying to say, don't look at me. Don't look at my sin. We do that. We said, don't look at this area of my life. No, no, no. Let's look at these other people down the road in this other church. They're not praying right. They're not worshiping right. They're not reading scripture right. I've done this. I've gotten caught up in these traps and do that. Look at other people around me and their sin in their lives, and what is that doing? It's taking the focus off of my sin and my brokenness. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is where I'm broken. And that's what we ought to be doing, not looking at other people and judging other people. We ought to be looking at our own sin in our lives first and dealing with those wounds because that's where Jesus is pressing on our hearts. He's pressing on these wounds and these areas in our lives that he's trying to lead us to this living water. So she's deflecting. We all do that. We all need to spend more time in self-reflection, prayer, and scripture reading. And in doing that, we're going to eventually be able to get to a place where we can help other people with their sin in their lives. And if you look at verse 21, what does Jesus do? He takes the high road like he always does. He doesn't take sides on the issue that she brought up. He just simply redirects her back to the real issue. Read in verse 21, he says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. <clears throat> so here, that certainly gets her attention. He acknowledges that the Jews were correct, but this system that he's bringing in is radically different than anything that was there before. He's opening her eyes to the fact that what God really wants is to be worshipped by true worshipers. They aren't Jews. They aren't Samaritans. They're not Gentiles. They're just followers of Jesus. They're true worshipers. That's what he's after. God is more interested in her heart than he is her gender or ethnicity. That's what he's looking at. I want to get to your heart. <clears throat> so true worship, true worship. What is true worship? Jesus defines it for her. He says God is, uh, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in truth and spirit. Spirit is not focusing on the emblems or sacrificial things. God is not confined to his spiritual things or places. God is looking for a demonstration of his spirit in their lives and in our lives. Worshiping in truth, what is that? Do we worship in truth? God has revealed himself to us through scripture. Are we involved in false worship? That, I, re I read that and did some studying on this, and, and it definitely caused me to look at myself. Are we building an idol of God that we want to worship, maybe taking little bits and pieces of the God that we like and building him up into this idol that is what we are describing and looking at? Are we just comfortable with his loving part, his patient part, his grace part? <clears throat> um, yes, all of those. These are the characteristics of God, right? But there's also a wrathful part. There's also a repentance part. There's also a part that he has a, he's a jealous God, and he expects everything of our lives 
Nothing should be put above God. Nothing. Our fleshly desires, acceptance and approval that we're seeking, these are all parts of whether or not we are being true worshipers of God. Or are we just taking little bits and pieces that we like and make us feel comfortable? So guys, God is not interested in our deflection of our sin. Jesus wants to get at our hearts. He wants to lead us to streams of living water. He's the only one that can offer this water, that can hydrate us the way we need to be hydrated. He's the only one that can offer us something that nothing else in this world can offer. We will never have enough money, houses, cars, whatever idols we're building up. It'll never fill us up completely. The only thing that can fill us up is Jesus. He's pushing in our wounds, and we ought to let him do that. We ought to look at ourselves and say, God, refine me. Help me. Lead me to these living waters. This Samaritan woman, she got it. And many people were converted because Jesus was able to talk to a Samaritan woman at a well. Let's pray.